Turns out he's a major cinephile. They don't watch enough movies! It's a very simple formula! And here we go. Hello you, you loyal listener, first time joiner, or mom. Hey, so what are we, or me, going to discuss in this episode of this now 1,000 plus downloaded podcast about movies and TV shows? Still can't believe that we are there at this wild milestone so far. Well, another tough week of existing, (laughs) so I needed something to bring my spirits up a tad. And that one scene in the pub with Queens Don't Stop Me Now hitting a zombie to the beat, it never fails to make me smile. Even thinking about it, I kind of peek up a little bit. Thank you very much, Shaun of the Dead. But with two of the three films available on HBO Max and renting the third on Prime, I figured it was time to do a more low-key episode of this interestingly titled Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy. And in case you're wondering, yes, that refers to the small ice cream cones with wrapping that have some chocolate and nuts and kind of swirls and swivels up. Solid dessert option, don't get me wrong. But for convenience store treats, the Choco Taco has to reign supreme. But we aren't talking about ice cream cones. We're talking about Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Three relationship comedies that are hidden in a zombie, cop, and sci-fi movie with the classic British writing style that, at times, I just can't get enough of. But while we watch these together, keep an eagle eye out for those small ice cream cone references and how they relate to the movie themes. There will be a quiz later, after all. I probably first saw one of these movies with hot fuzz, but with how rare a good zombie comedy is, Shaun of the Dead really hits the mark. First of all, get ready for some amazing chemistry between Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. These movies normally focus on the relationship between these two, normally during very trying times. And Edgar Wright makes these movies stand out. You can see some similar works and looks and writing from his time on these movies and one of his later entries in Baby Driver. The writing and scenarios they put their characters in is so quick and snappy and just amazing. I mean, from the quick cuts of the people they're talking about actually being there to even the amazing intro of comparing regular folks kind of schlogging through life in a very brain-dead manner, not unlike what the source material will be about as the movie goes. And they set so many hilarious long-con jokes that pay off in huge dividends later. In the beginning, you see Sean go through a day, then almost the exact same day, right after and he hasn't the foggiest of all the zombie happenings around him when i think of just unique editing styles i always think of edgar wright and guy ritchie the quick purposeful cuts using editing as a storytelling vehicle i mean this is the film geek in me coming out to play and that's the stuff that got me into the tv media field in college and all that With Sean specifically, there are so many digs and references in this movie in the greater genre to it, to what it wants to pay homage to and also be a part of. All the telltale signs of news coverage, print and media, foreshadowing the zombie plague. Even seeing one of the earlier ones being shrugged off as, maybe it's a drunk person who you almost see eat a burden just as you think you're going to see the zombie thing happen, a bus comes by and it's gone. It plants those seeds of the zombie virus and such a great way for all these movies being not parodies but poking jokes and some really dark humor as the genre of choice 
this one probably is the best of all three at making those in genre universe meta e jokes but somehow these are all amazing as they're each their own as a zombie film a cop film a sci-fi movie in their own right you may not know all these actors in the collective trilogy outside of peg and frost but they are great in their own right martin freeman is barely in the first two but has a much more pronounced role in the third of these films the setup of seeing sean get drunk to get over a girl i'll just say i can appreciate that for what it is but seeing them drunkenly going through the area at night while things happen around like limping moaning zombies and heads falling off and just gore it's truly some amazing setups that it is such a we know what's happening and they don't know what's happening but it it just gets you going in the mood and you're like it's like you want to talk like oh behind you behind you it's just like that even these little moments of something that pays off like from the beginning of the movie way at the end of the movie as a subtle throwaway line of you know telling nick frost's character to go live in a shed where at the end of this movie zombie him is i mean this is one of those things that you discover these little nods the further you go through it and the more and more you have to rewatch these movies to pick up on those little things. This has to be a subtle nod, just the movie as a whole of how we go through our lives kind of brain dead, which most of us really do. You do your 9 to 5, you go back home, you do whatever, and you do it again and again and again. The characters in these are kind of dumb in some ways, but also super likable, and normally there'll be at least one that you relate to. Also, one of my favorite scenes has to be, beside the real favorite one, is flipping through channels and having the broken TV audio of random programs telling the nature of what's happening. And we know the collective message as a whole, but our characters are just flipping through the channels. We as viewers are always almost more aware of things compared to our characters that we're watching go through things in this movie for sure. They do have a great joke thrown in there of seeing duplicates of the characters walk past each other. This has to be one of the most memorable scenes in the whole film. Besides, of course, the jukebox scene. That and the acting as zombie scares, having an actress friend teach them how to act as zombies to get through the group. Walking Dead has you know, them wearing walker innards or masks made of zombie faces. But having to have them act the roles, truly sensational, fun, quirky way to subvert the genre, but still fall into it completely. This isn't a scary movie, but if you hate anything even close to a scary zombie gore or whatever you won't like this this walked so zombie land and the sequel could run warm bodies was less comedy and more teen angst and little monsters while still very good lapita nyong'o is great in this movie it's a heartwarming zombie movie but the jokes aren't as dark and it leans into the zombie lore a little bit less than the previous films mentioned also there's that quick editing style i mean you see it you know all the time through this movie but i think one of the best moments is where they're trying to come up with a plan and you see three different versions of the plan and they're all you know quick to the different scenes and it's so cool it's you know okay they always have to kill philip and it's all done like super sanitized and clean it's like a quick little pop they pick up the girl that just dumped him and they end up somewhere be it his house her house the pub whatever it is and you see the quick editing so many times, but that probably, for me, is one of the best versions of the editing. Also, I didn't mention it earlier, but Bill Nagy, 
who has the biggest role in this movie of the three, also has some great roles and Pirates of the Caribbean, he's Davy Jones, Harry Potter, he's Rufus Scrimmager, just to name a few. And like looking back on how good that Pirates of the Caribbean CGI was with Davy Jones, like that was not so recent. And that's the tentacles moving around and being like drippy looked fantastic. And the voice is great, obviously. It's a very menacing voice. The Queen scene, while this leads to the action-packed end, like I said, it's the whole inspiration for this episode. One of my favorite Queen songs in Don't Stop Me Now. Don't stop me now. I'm having such a good time. Having a ball. Like, and this movie might be part of it. It times to the bar scene, like, to a beat, beat, beat. Things are happening to the beat. The calling of the zombies to their position. But hitting and fighting a zombie to every single beat of the power ballad song, sensational. Of the three films, this has to be the best scene of any of them. It might be one of my favorite movie scenes of all time because it's so weird, quirky, unique, and it just works so well. And it, you can't help but smile watching this. You can't. I also love how the movie ends, seemingly like The Mist, but less depressing less thomas jane but the quick style of editing has a military show up and pretty much saves the day in rapid succession and i think when i first watched i thought they fully fixed it clearly they were just starting the process i don't know when i first watched i must i don't know how young i was when i first saw this movie but i clearly missed that on the first view and every other one i figured out what was going on and you know all things considered as movie ends it's pretty positive he ends up uh Sean ends up with Liz in the end somehow. Their sense of adventure seemingly quelled to have a more relaxed life, which is interesting because obviously, you know, that's one of those things that was in the beginning of the movie. Oh, she wants some adventure and stuff, but maybe they've quelled their adventure and crisis brings people together. And while Ed, his best friend forever, is a zombie, they have him living in a shed playing video games still, and it ends with some more Queen in You're My Best Friend. Just a nice movie in the end of it all. Solid zombie movie, and just overall as a good movie. On to probably the most known of the three films. Sometimes zombie movies, they're not for everyone. My mom will never watch The Walking Dead, although I tell her there's a lot of good romance in that. Just, you know, it's not a rom-com, but it's definitely a romantic tale for sure. But I get it. So Hot Fuzz is your cup of tea if Shaun of the Dead is, for sure. You'll like Hot Fuzz no matter what, but if you like Shaun the Dead, you'll definitely like Hot Fuzz. Also, it's the first of these to have a former James Bond actor. This one, not just James Bond actor, the James Bond actor. This one being Timothy Dalton. One of the briefer in the role for James Bond actors, but I quite like his take on James. It's a bit more darker and aggressive. He's only in two movies, so he's probably the second least used James Bond other than George Lazenby, just in the one, but... I quite like the Tim Dalton movies. There's some really good ones. And the Sniper one with the cello player, easily my favorite one of his two. Gotta love how briefly Martin Freeman's in these first two movies. At least he has to be on full display in the third one, rightly so. But thinking how much I know him from his bigger roles in Sherlock, the amazing BBC show, and the not-so-amazing Hobbit movies. Uh, look, I love Lord of the Rings, movies, books. Hobbit book is great. Do not love the Hobbit movies. It should have been one. They did something wrong. I don't know. I don't know what went wrong there. A lot went wrong. But this movie, the one that we're talking about right now, not immediately funny in the same vein. The absurdity of the whole village is kind of where the humor lies, where 
there might be less flat out jokes but you're just laughing at like what is happening with this village and I mean the punch on the end is something to behold they do so many teases with Dalton's character seeming like the obvious killer and you know it's a cop thing cop movie buddy cop movie serial killer movie they have to have a red herring in there but you know it starts off so innocently enough this whole movie with you know a city cop coming down to the country for a more lackadaisical policing style for a fish out of water story the gore and dark humor only peek in much later in the story it lulls you into a false sense of security if you don't know what's coming because i know when i first rented this at blockbuster i feel like i knew it was going to happen but my mom and maybe both of my sisters might have been the whole family that's how blockbuster was back in the day for you younger viewers you went to a store and rented a vhs or dvd very different nowadays but i remember they were not expecting the the turn as it happened but man is it fun watching simon Pegg as sergeant nicholas angel take his no-nonsense style of policing to hunt down low-key vagrants or underage braces wearing drinkers and more very low-stakes crimes and the quick style editing is back on full display here which obviously is good news his first night of unofficial police work and just overall like there's always the paperwork is always done the quick editing style they make things that could be monotonous pretty interesting with how quick the images are flowing and how you get what's happening but it's on such a cool stylized way instead of unnervingly building this as a slash movie it keeps the absurdity up you're just laughing at how much of a culture shock it all is and really does bring it home on him being sent here because he's too good at his job and the rest of the apartment thinks they look bad so they send him away wild the whole movie just flies at you a mile a minute with its strangeness and jokes aplenty. While these movies are obviously not related, you know, not unlike American Horror Story and the anthology things they have going on there, they do have some similar jokes throughout, like fence jumping and obviously the ice cream thing, which they're named after, which we'll get to in the end, so hopefully you're watching these and keeping a sharp eye out for some frozen dairy treat references. But obviously... The most important thing in these movies and this one specifically is how often the dialogue foreshadows every sort of plot development big or small once we finally do see a serial killer doing the killing it's all quick but it really could have come as a surprise for viewers i love it but i you know like my darker things obviously as you guys are clearly aware of these days also for random actors in these movies david bardley filch from harry potter series walter frey from game of thrones and broadchurch has a great mumbly brief role here thankfully he also gets a larger role in at world's end some of the most well-known british actors are littered in these for the best of course also on a personal level i can quite relate to not being able to turn off from work easily which is one of the biggest plot motivation points of this movie for our lead nicholas angel not that it always is portrayed as a bad thing but more just bringing it all up and this movie is less focused on the romantic relationship which is in the last one while the friendship storyline was definitely there that is clearly the main relationship we're looking at here and for the most part these are all friendship movies the first one kind of blends the romance and the friendship relationships kind of keeping them on even par once we do start getting kills in bulk not only are they gory and amazing in each in their own unique right, they are teased in 
continuation. He will be in bits. I would not want to be him in the morning. Like the last movie, next time I see you, you're dead. Like all these just amazing one-liners that tease something dastardly afoot. And not only with writing, but even with the music, there's some amazing cues and teases having fire play after the house explosion on the radio. Like the attention to detail in these is something to behold. Even in those, all the killing scenes, which normally our Sergeant Angel is just only finding the aftermath and you're seeing them happen quickly. There's one where you're seeing him kind of relaxing and there's this one scene where I think that the lineup editing is just sensational where you're seeing the killer hit a guy and as soon as he goes down, you see Simon Pegg's character kind of fall into a couch and he's like, oh, he's pulling my leg and he's pulling the leg of the guy he knocked out and the, the two scenes intersperse so well and play so well together it's unbelievable editing and once again the the editing video nerd in me comes out in these scenes and i'm like wow look at that editing is so good it's like when i watch that nickelodeon bears broadcast wow those slime cannon end zone things look really good i love those special effects you just get excited about different things in weird ways but back to uh the movie at hand while you have zombie tropes in Shaun of the dead here having buddy cop movies in a buddy cop movie and then seeing them played out in the world not just in the movie in the world of our actual actors playing the roles these movies in general just love to pay homage and tlc to the genres they are in it's kind of crazy that there is more gore here in this movie compared to the zombie flick right the death on the church spike of a roof going through a guy's head into his body it's something to behold once again I love me some messed up stuff, but you would never expect to see something like this, at least coming in a normal buddy cop comedy. Obviously, this movie is ridiculous at times. It's like Scream at times. It's like an old Western, and even in a cult movie at times. Lastly, at times, it's just a fun, quirky movie, but the blending and the constant genre changing and shifts that happen, it keeps you guessing where it's going at all times. When we do finally find out the literally the entire village hierarchy is behind all the killings and has been for ages. I mean, it's a shocker. And all the ways of just having a nice village, it's like the small town creepiness that you can never really get over unless you are from a small town. Truly an amazing surprise that cranks the intensity up, especially seeing all the dead bodies they previously killed. And sort of why? Because you have the reveal of the why that's elaborately laid out and apparently that's wrong. But then it's just like little mundane things. Oh, his typos were bad. Their acting was bad. They were going to leave. Like, it all builds into almost more creepy because the reasons to regular people seem like those are crazy, but they are so ingrained as a town as these are why they happen. And it's it's a little more silly, insane, and maybe a little scarier? Maybe. Also, it obviously was not meant with this in mind. But making something great again, I mean, having that line in a movie from 2007, it's like those Simpson predictions of old somehow. But the best moment of all, when Peg's fake death using a ketchup packet, which was obviously teased prior, is when he finally comes back to clean up the town, riding on a white horse and all, like the western classics of old, cleaning up the town, pew pew, holster holster, well, pew pew, for blowing the smoke then holster holster 
his whole shtick while working in London was obviously cleaning up the streets of London. Now he's doing in the quaint little cottage town area that is menacing behind underneath the surface. Between him being armed to the teeth and every one of the townsfolk also being armed, it's a firefight for ages that would make Boondock Saints smile with glee and Willem Dafoe shout it out from the heavens for all to see. There was a firefight! Like that scene in that movie. Willem Dafoe, great actor. One of my favorites, as you know. So many amazing moments here. Riding on a bike, shooting guns at Kimbo. Point Break Keanu references. Everything Keanu these days is in right now. It's hip. Cyberpunk 2077. I mean, the... That's one thing. Always be my maybe. Is that another one he's in? Obviously, there's more Matrixes coming out, or one more coming out. The John Wick movies, of course. I've Maybe not that one movie on Netflix that's circulating, but apparently it's doing well, but who knows. Maybe one day I'll do that one one of these days, just because he's in it, of course. When the shooting and action starts, I feel like Nicholas Angels kind of starts out non-lethally taking out people, but the blood spurts coming out of every sort of wound and it gets gorier than you would think especially with the build-up to all the violence it's just over the top like first he's maybe getting someone in the shoulder or a leg and then there's a guy who gets bear trapped on the head and that all builds and builds also when the line of brought you in and can take you out I remember that joke from ages growing up, so I always get a kick out of hearing that, oh, I brought you into this world, I'm not going to take you out of it. I always feel like I recite it in that way, too. Oh, and the bad boys jumping through the air while shooting gags. Everything that was dismissed in the beginning as not cop work and high-speed car chases, that, too, all seen here in the explosive third act, which adds to the hilarity and absurdity of missing out all the action, but clearly all the action's here. And when they finally get all the other cops minus the chief to take down the store, the frenetic pace is truly a blast. I know this sounds like a love fest for these movies, but they really are some of the best movies that I feel like my age will love. Some people a bit older may not know about them or be their shtick with some of the jokes. Hopefully people on the younger side will be introduced to these at some point. Just like 28 days or weeks later movies, these are... I'd say easily more accessible, not being zombie movies. I feel like the humor of these is top-notch, lasts through the test of time, which obviously 28 Days Later, how it was filmed, doesn't always stand up to that test of time. But these surely do, especially this movie. Yes, the gore may not be for everyone, but it's so unique and different and fun. The part at the end with the build-up of the gore will always get me with Timothy Dalton's character slipping on a decoy truck of his own grocery store in this mini village and going chin first into the church spike. That was how they killed Tim Messenger, and you think he's one of those people because he was missing at that scene. I mean, that his chin first going into the church spike replica, it's one of the goriest scenes I've seen in something that's not outright horror or slasher. And that is the most impactful thing I will remember from any of these movies even if it's not my favorite scene that scene I as a kid that was I won't say gave me nightmares but I definitely didn't like that necessarily when I first saw this a lot happens negatively action wise that leads to our characters maybe not necessarily in a better place as we would assume right but as far as these movies go this one has to be the happiest end of all three they fake you out thinking Nick Frost will die again like in the first movie but they gotcha right at the end for a lovely 
fun action ride that's just a bit different from your Expendables fare. It's a little more heartwarming, we could say. And don't get me wrong, I love my 80s action hero Expendables movies. They are not necessarily good, but sure, sure is all heck fun. But we'll do those another time, because those apparently are also available to Amazon Prime Video members not having to pay for renting and not unlike the last of these three films, The World's End. The newest of the three, Sean coming in 2004, Hot Fuzz in 2007, this also had the biggest gap. I remember the promotional material for The World's End in 2013, but this is probably only the second time watching it, and that for sure is the case. I may not even have watched it a whole time through the first time. I remember Hot Fuzz from the blockbuster days, back when you didn't sit and aimlessly scroll on your TV or smart TV, laptop, phone, and go through an hour without picking something. You had to pick something when you were at Blockbuster. But while I remember the the world's end not being as strong as the previous two, Frost and Peg, back, and way more Martin Freeman, and of course, the second Bond in the trilogy, my personal favorite, this might be a hot take, but as the one I grew up with in Pierce Brosnan. Look, Goldeneye, was the best movie. I love the three movies that have the word gold in it, but this is Chef's Kiss. Mwah. Beautiful. Also, Sean Bean's in it. Obviously, one of my favorite actors. It probably is my favorite actor. I have two Funko Pops now in the back with one from Boromir and one from Ned Stark. But back to James Bond, Pierce Brosnan. He was in all the video games growing up. Goldeneye for the N64. But I obviously more so know him, this might be really weird, from Nightfire, which was the GameCube PS2 version, so the model after the N64 Goldeneye. But he was my James Bond, and he always will be. When we do the James Bond episode, which will have to probably at least be a four-part episode, at least, I mean, depending on where you lump Dalton and Lazenby into, because Roger Moore has to be its own episode. Sean Connery has to be its own episode. You'd think Daniel Craig would have to be his own episode, especially after the latest movie comes out. So maybe you could lump together Brosnan and the Dolans and uh, briefly mention Lazenby when you do Sean Connery. Briefly. Those are going to be great when we dive into that spy franchise, delve deep into all of those amazing films. Man, I really need that No Time to Die new movie to drop ASAP. As of now, it's coming in Easter weekend, but they are more likely going to wait to release this in theaters with not really striking a streaming deal with the costs that they were asking for particularly high. So don't expect, as of right now, anything close to the HBO Max deal, getting things like Dune, The Matrix sequel, and everything else exciting coming from Warner Brothers and such. Oh, and David Bradley is back in this, and in a way more pronounced role, which is fun too. I knew this was one of those younger and older selves movie, but I forgot how super 90s this one started. I love me a good period piece, and this is period piece in quotes because it wasn't that long ago, but as a 90s child, it's a bit weird to think how long ago it really was. This isn't a 1960s period piece, Mad Men something in that vein, or Boardwalk in the 20s, but 90s is slowly becoming period PC as we start to remember movies that said, in the distant future of 2019, 2021, and lo and behold, we're living in those times and there's no flying cars or seemingly we're not controlled by vampire people, right? I'm just saying, we don't know, but I don't think that's happening yet. Time will tell, right? Don't live in Alaska, 30 days a night, very scary. (laughs) 
this movie is really fairly different from the other two films. I mean, I'm pretty stoked, and it was a great experience to be able to do all three at once, go through it a full sitting at once. I did just order the Blu-ray 3-pack, so I'll be able to have these at my leisure now, so I can go through them, plus whatever fun deleted scenes come out of that. I don't know. Should be a blast. I have to admit, in the first few movies, Simon Pegg was very likable. He was a bit of a slacker in the first one, trying to make something of himself or get his life together. In the second, he was an overachiever who was trying to find a life. Here, he's stuck in the glory days looking for a closure, not unlike the night before. But here, his character is a bit more annoying. He's not super likable, which is a bit at odds with the first two films. I feel like I also get some it vibes with, you know, younger, older selves. But the stakes here are obviously way less scary coming back to your hometown. I will say, all these deal with real issues and flawed characters. And obviously, they are over-sensationalized to make it funny. Which they are. Love me some flawed characters and psychosis. Why does this trauma exist and how do we react to it and maybe how do we solve it? Movies are a great way to explore those ideas and maybe, just maybe, help someone who needs those messages and that messaging can get to them and maybe this can help process and come to terms with things that we're dealing with in our real life or at least start a path to figuring things out that's i'm a visual learner so i'm sure i'm not the only one and simon Pegg, gary king in this one is very much going on that exact journey no veiled versions hidden here it's clearly trauma built up and dealing with it the setup of this movie is easily very fun, unique. Five friends brought together by extraneous circumstances to try again at a legendary drinking challenge of 12 pubs and 12 beers. Sounds like an absolute hoot in non-COVID times through their local hometown. But only one of these men kind of wants to be here. There's something hilarious about, at least early, the bars all being exactly the same. They kind of call it the Starbucks effect of gentrifying of their hometown bars to look exactly the same on the inside have the same drinks and just have slightly different signs not sure if it's just a early sign of things not being right but knowing what happens this is pretty much mild not wild versions of these movies with their conflict setup i also get lost in this because eventually they become more unique bars as they go so i don't know why the first two being similar was always like a new exciting thing also, they do have another fence jumping scene, which is always appreciated for series continuity. Two-thirds of the time, they don't do well jumping the fence. Only once. Only in Shaun of the Dead. Nope, that's not true. Only in Hot Fuzz does he jump the fence. Because in Shaun of the Dead, he tries jumping the first fence and runs into it. In Hot Fuzz, he jumps over a bunch. And then Nick Frost's character jumps through the fence like he did Simon Pegg in the first movie. In this one, he kind of is more drunkenly jumping, but does not do well at jumping over fences at all in Simon Pegg's character. Also, the talks of each of them having their own trauma, some tie into Gary, some the area, and some just to alcohol in general. It's almost a sad version of it with lesser stakes. It as in the It Clown movie, not it as referring to something else. You have to be clear, it's a very tricky name with It versus it the clown versus it the generic word right english language it's a fun time we have fun with words here <laughs> once things get wild in the movie the violence is absolutely absurd and on full display 
I feel like this movie can get away with anything. Not somehow, it gets away with it easily. With just more gratuitous, over-the-top violence. Because the people they're fighting are robots, and the blood is more, like, akin to ink. But besides that amazing action, the movie really picks up here. Having the guys try to fit into a crazy society, but obviously the more drunk they get, the more inebriated and wild it gets tougher to blend in when you're drinking like crazy it's less specific of a genre beat as the others i've never seen invasion of the body snatchers or movies akin to that i imagine there's some ties there i just haven't seen a whole lot of alien abduction type movies i feel like that's a very much an older genre that you don't really see as much anymore but Combine drinking buddy movies mixing with a little paranoia two parts paranoia right if we're in our <laughs> mixology styles it used to be a hobby mind maybe i'll get back to it one day don't get me wrong this is still a pretty fun movie with i comparing it as a whole part you know three parts of the whole sum even like the absurdity of the whole premise and how the best plan is to blend in and still drink it all up and then leave once you finish your 12 bars 12 pints thing and maybe this is one of those moments where the audience knows more than the characters in the movie. When Martin Freeman gets taken over, it's one of those moments where we, as the audience, feel like we know more than the characters around. It feels obvious to us. And when we finally see Brosnan in all his silver fox glory, things get real. And the fight choreography, truly sensational. Very different from more gunplay and definitely hot fuzz. I don't know where you'd call... Uh, Shaun of the Dead, because there's some gunplay, obviously it's not great gunplay, it's less fighting, I would say, but this is full-on Kingsman in the church scene, fisticuffs and all, in its unbridled glory, and seeing both Simon Pegg and Nick Frost in any movie with physical violence, it, it, it's always silly compared to what we're used to seeing from, especially in Shaun of the Dead, but it's a great scene, and the fight choreography is sensational. I cannot say it enough. I have to say also, while Simon Pegg may be the star for me in the first two, and obviously Nick Frost is clearly a part of those movies, for sure. It's their duality of their friendship. In the third movie, At World's End, I feel like Nick Frost is clearly the best in this movie. The true star of the show. Also, the special effects of seeing the semi-empty heads and the body parts all over the place, it really ratchets up the intensity, and it looks great. Potentially even more than Shaun of the Dead for ratcheting up the intensity. And don't get me wrong, that bar scene is truly something to behold, but that scene of Don't Stop Me Now always makes it super light and has some real levity to it before the things get real. It's a bit wild since Gary really doesn't grow throughout the movie where the other characters of sean and nicholas angel have clearly grown more so nicholas and a bit to a lesser degree sean but gary's pretty much the same throughout even at the end when he's losing friends to these robot blue ink people like he's still trying really hard to get to that last bar and part of it's because he said like you know this is all he has and i mean these are five friends that really haven't talked at all throughout and haven't really been in touch with what everyone else is going on and all their issues in their lives that's the whole thing if you can't compare yourself to thinking someone has a perfect life when you wish you had their life but they could wish they had your life and vice versa right 
Like I said, they have some really interesting looks at trauma and goals in life. More so than any of the other ones here, this movie hits a little deeper than the rest with its more overtly flawed characters that never really get solved or fixed. There is something to be said about trying to relive your glory days, and the messaging is nice and all about being free to do what you want. I think some of the overt special effects, it's a little bit extra and too much (laughs) than the others in scope, but it's okay to be a little bit different compared to the rest. You don't want to watch three of the exact same movies. I mean, look, there's something to be said about having three different Death Star type movies. They're all fine, but thankfully those are broken up by other movies. It's not Death Star 1, 2, 3 as your three Star Wars movies. It's clearly 4 is 1. 5 is different, 6 is 1, I mean, depending on how you count order of movies coming out, 7 is 1, but they come to a point where they're not Death Starring every, you don't have 9 Death Stars and 9 Star Wars movies, it just wouldn't be as fun anymore when you got to Death Star 9. I don't actually remember the true ending after they get away from the robots and the NN, so this was a first time watch for me, for sure. I for sure remember the aliens left them alone, and... I remember bits and pieces of the movie. You know, I remember the one guy selling houses with his half-fallen-off head. And that's probably the only thing I remember at the end of this. They did a great way of making the empty robots actually have lives together again in some way. And while Gary and Andy don't hang out together in the end, there's something that feels real with Gary hanging out with the blank copies of his younger friends going on adventures while the rest of his friends moved on the real ones at least he got to relive his childhood which is great i mean look his one friend who always wanted to be with the one uh woman who they introduced in this movie i i'm not gonna lie i don't really remember most characters named in this movie other than gary and andy and the one guy is for his robot one is selling houses still which is martin freeman's character the one guy is with his family, I guess, who also was a robot. And Nick Frost is kind of narrating something to a group of people. But you really feels a bit off when you see that Simon Pegg's character and Nick Frost's character aren't together in the end. Friends till the end in the SpongeBob Patrick vein, which they had been in the other two of these three movies. And to make the final one have them go their separate ways. And once again... Gary's character never really grew, so I guess it makes sense realistically. That end is the end of the trilogy, you know, maybe it's the end of the whole thing, right? There's some show, uh, Seekers or Truth Seekers on Amazon Prime that is mostly a Nick Frost show, but Simon Pegg's in it. I haven't seen it yet, but I know that that's another one of the more recent one that puts them two together with their chemistry. But what it is at the end makes sense. I would have liked to see the two of them be together in the end, and that's sort of how it ends, because that's the spirit of them all, right? But that's the end of this trilogy. So on to Listomania. It'll be a quick one, but might as well do one, right? Number three, once again, I like all the movies, shows on my list. If I'm putting on my list, unless it's the entire franchise, I like it. Now, the adult animation episode, right? How many, there's hundreds of shows that I didn't include on that list. King of the Hill, who knows where that ranks on that list. Uh, American Dad wasn't on that list. The Cleveland Show wasn't on that list. I, I'm just spitballing here, right? Now, with some of those Friday the 13th Halloweens, I put every movie on that list. There's a reason Freddy vs. Jason is bad. There's a reason Alien vs. Predator Requiem is bad. 
So when I have this list, one, two, three movies, I like them all, just in different orders, of course. Number three has to be The World's End. It's different and it's not bad, and I like that Martin Freeman's in it, and obviously there's the editing style's great, and it's all great in its own right. But Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz always have just something different, a little more that I don't know if I've just seen them more, but I don't even think it's that. I think if you, as a new person, watched all three, I don't think anyone would say The World's End is the best. I don't think anyone would say it's bad, but no one would say it's the best of the three. Obviously, the tough choice, number two, number one, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, which one's going to be where? As much as I love Don't Stop Me Now, and I love zombie movies, maybe it's because I watched it first in this one instance, but I had to go with Shaun of the Dead at two, Hot Fuzz at one. If I look at the complete movie as a whole, Hot Fuzz is so much fun, and the jokes and editing are great in Shaun of the Dead, and the setup of how it all happened is great. But there's something about the growing absurdity that leads to such darkness. And it's all brought in such a, a light tone because the characters doing all the murdering are so oblivious to why they're doing it. And just they're just lost in their own for the greater good way. And I love Hot Fuzz. And the last third with all the gunplay is sensational. But the trilogy, the trifecta, all amazing in their own right. But... If I had to rank them, which I did, Hot Fuzz is the cream of the crop. Three Cornettos to you. So since you've seen Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, as you're listening to this episode, I assume you have, all hilarious in their own rights. But now comes the quiz answers from the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. Did you find all the Cornettos and pay attention to the details? Well, here we go. In Shaun of the Dead, we have a Strawberry Cornetto supposed to represent the zombie gore of the genre. The second came in Hot Fuzz from the shop with blue cone wrapping to represent the law and police storyline. And the final small little horn Italian ice cream dessert cone, the last one in the world's end. You have to wait right till the very end to see a mint wrapper in the epilogue of humanity post lights and aliens leaving. And it's green for aliens. Wow. Barely fit in there, but it is there. And the whole reason they started these was because they made a joke in the first one, got free Cornettos, tried it again in the later two, didn't work, just added the third one there to wrap it all up. Clearly they're the most visible in the second of the three films, which is clearly the one trying to continue the free Cornettos to you. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Edgar Wright. Well, that is the episode. What do you think? I'm a bit surprised here is where I ended. I haven't done a whole lot of watching with the stress of the last few weeks, but other than these three films, I've just been rewatching the sci-fi Van Helsing show on Netflix, so no clue what's going to come next week. I have a whole list of like 20, 30 episodes I could do, but who knows where I'll end up with, because this was clearly not one of the ones I had planned when I came into not just this show, but even this year. But to catch up on what we're going to do next, maybe there'll be some teasers as we go, check us out on social knickknack movies knickknack underscore ic twitter insta and we have a ton of other fun social links for you to look into and check out also in the spirit of the new year you should probably share the joy of this podcast with someone else so you can be friends lovers mortal enemies or who knows what listening together to this thing i call a creative outlet listen on apple Podcasts, spotify iHeartRadio, pandora everywhere you could listen to podcasts were available so no excuse time to 
buckle up and strap in and listen to me say words about movies, TV shows, and maybe a little entertainment pop culture in there. That's what you have to look forward to. That's how you pitch it to you, whoever you're pitching it to. Random people at the grocery store. Wear your mask, but say words about my podcast. Could be a good time. Could be a conversation starter. Who knows? But as always, until next time, cinephiles. Are you not entertained? I think this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I don't like goodbyes. Let's just call this see you later, alligator.